episode of Outside the Rack is brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of the Gym Aware. In today's world of strength and conditioning, data collections become the utmost of importance, and that's exactly where Gym Aware separates itself from the competition. Because when we're sitting there and looking to collect data, what data are you actually collecting? And are the numbers you're looking at fitting into the exercises that you're utilizing? And even more so, are they going to answer the questions that you're looking for? Looking at different ways that you are moving the barbell through peak and mean, both velocity and power, is really what separates gym aware from the competition. Being able to understand what your ballistic exercises are doing separate to what your strength exercises are doing really allows you to program at a much more specific level for your athletes. So hop on over to kinetic.com.au to see what Evan and his team have in store for you today. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some fantastic practitioners that are always searching for more. But more what? What are strength and conditioning coaches searching for to better their ability to prepare their athletes? Well, what about cutting edge information or a place where you can find different opinions from forward thinking coaches on what you're doing, how you're doing, and try to get feedback to be better for your athletes? Or what about a place where you'll find like-minded coaches that can provide solid coaching advice and career development for you as you progress through your career as a strength and conditioning professional? Well, this is exactly why we built the Strength Coach Network. You'll have access to exclusive monthly content on top of the sensationally active forum that we have where you can communicate with coaches all over the world to find those answers that you're looking for to help you be a better practitioner for your athletes. So make sure you hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash c-v-a-s-p-s, and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 13th episode of Outside the Rack, brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of Gym Aware. In this show, we're trying to dive a little deeper into some of the top minds and practitioners around the world of sport performance to learn a little bit more about who they actually are and where they got to where they are today. Today, we are joined by the Director of Training and Education at Power Athlete, Tex McQuilkin. Tex, thanks for being with us, brother. Thanks, man. You you really got that down, 13 episodes in. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anything I say probably sounds beautiful. <laughs> I listen to it. This voice will never sound beautiful, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, listen, brother, before we start rocking and rolling into the big three, who is Tex? Simply put, I had to think about this, how I could sum myself up, and I, I put lacrosse player from Katy, Texas. It's almost like an oxymoron in a small town in which football is life. I found a way to just have success with this niche sport in a small town that has changed my trajectory and my life as a coach, it gave me the opportunity to go play some college ball at Marymount University, D3 in Arlington, Virginia. And from there, it got me as a grad assistant coach to expose myself to coaching. And from there, I never quit, man. It was a coaching sport, took over the strength and conditioning responsibilities and found out I was a hell of a lot better strength coach than I was a lacrosse coach. So that's that's it in a nutshell, man. Now I, I travel the world for Power Athlete as the director of training and education, and I teach coaches how to teach people to lift weights and run fast. I love it, brother. I love it. Especially being an upstate New York guy, when we could talk lacrosse, it's always good. Man, 
Yeah, yeah. and y'all y'all got a squad, dude. It's always fun. I had a one of my former teammates had D three athlete that broke through to the D one coaching ranks, and I had a pit stop at Richmond. So was rooting for your boys for a little bit. Yeah, man, and it's, it's a fun group to be around up here. So. With all of that coaching and all that playing and everything that's been the ebbs and flows to getting text down to Austin, I'm sure there's been some aha moments. But uh, let's go through one of them. What what was a learning situation that brought about an epiphany in your career? The the moment it was January 2014. So I was working for Power Athlete at this point, and I had been coaching at Georgetown. I did an internship at the University of Texas. And on weekends, I was traveling and teaching what was formerly known as the CrossFit Football Seminar. And I had my script. I had my playbook to lead these practical sessions of coaching. So movement one, we would just walk through the setup, the execution, and the faults, then move on to movement two. And I had my script down, but I was simply checking boxes. And I wasn't necessarily teaching the movements. I was just making sure I was hitting all of my talking points rather than immersing myself into movement. And the moment in which I was talking to, so we were in Galway, Ireland, and we, we took a day to just romp around. The beauty of the tra- traveling coaching gig is you get to see literally see the world. And so Luke Summers, who still teammate here at Power Athlete, and he had been probably coaching a year longer on the seminar staff. Just you know, a few Guinnesses in, gave me my feedback from the sidelines. So we are very uh, strict with constructive criticism. We record all of our lectures. It's almost like game film going back to make sure that we can deliver the proper information in, in a way that's absorbed because then – these coaches have to go communicate to their athletes. So we took it very seriously, and I did not do a good job. And he let me know. And how he broke it down was I was simply teaching movements. And I didn't see the overall connection and piece by piece that all of the movements, these warm-ups that we were teaching, they were progressions, they were connected. And they were arranged in a specific order to teach movement. And the example that I got, imagine a side pillar. So we're on our elbow, our heels are stacked, and we are just in an isometric hold in this position. From there, the next phase, we would have a, a, a bend in the spine. So we would call it a simple hip kiss. So we got our midline. We're on video. I can do this. So we're on mid, our midline here, a standard side pillar. And then I would break at the hip and just slowly down for three seconds, try to kiss my hips on the ground. And when I would kiss my hips to the ground, I'd move past my midline, almost like I'm trying to hip check uh, an athlete. So that would progression two and three would be something we call a starfish. So now I'll use this visual here. I'm standing in my side pillar. My heels are connected. I got a straight line from my heels all the way through the top of my head. Imagine this dotted line here. I perform that hip kiss, and as my hip kisses the ground, instead of just trying to hip check, I separate my heels and try to hold in an isometric position. Imagine a universal athletic position, but I'm in a side pillar on my elbow. And we get them to hold. So I was just teaching 
progression one, progression two, progression three, rather than seeing this as an opportunity to connect our next phase of the, the lecture, which was change of direction, right? And what's the one thing that we always want people to do when they change direction is push. So almost that hip kiss and separating the heels, it's firing those glutes to be in a position to push off the trail leg rather than simply separate the heels like I'm just stepping towards the direction I want to change. And then the action of the spine and being able to control your trunk when you change direction, that's huge in injury prevention. So I just, I, I was teaching this seminar maybe 30 over that year and I did not see these connections. So from, from there, it, it literally rocked my world. We were international, we're in this beautiful land, and all I can think about is movement. I want to teach movement, not movements. And at this point, I just, uh, I literally, within two weeks, I uh, said sayonara to Georgetown University. I called up one of John's old strength and conditioning coaches when from, he was in the NFL, a man named Rafael Ruiz. Honestly, in my opinion, the the most valuable line on my resume that's probably overlooked by anyone that's ever looked at it. Best strength and conditioning coach that no one's ever heard of, Rafael Ruiz out of Tampa Bay. And I spent four months with him just immersed in it was coaching 90 minutes in the morning into 90 minutes of training into about three hours of lecture on the board. And then we had more sessions at night and we were training uh, Olympic level swimmers. If you remember Antonio Tarver, so he was a heavyweight boxer. If you've seen Rocky Six, he's Mason the Line Dixon. That's Antonio Tarver. So Tarver was coming in because he was still active. And we had, uh, this is 2014, so we're gearing up for the 2016 Rio Swim Team Olympics. Um, then we had some Green Berets, and then we were taking on and volunteering for a local high school. Um, so it was, it was nonstop coaching, lecturing, training, seeing and making sure we see all these connections. And it was a moment, going back to where Luke gave me some very constructive criticism that I just didn't get it. I needed to teach movement, not movements. And, and from there, it, it really unlocked a pathway and a filter to, to speak to coaches, to observe and look at programs, to see limitations within athletes and look for this transfer of training from the weight room to the field, the court, the rink, whatever our athletes are training for, right? It, I, I don't give a shit about numbers. I, sorry for cursing. I don't care about numbers, right? If they are getting pushed around and not taking advantage of their abilities that I know they have when it matters most in performance. So it was that, that call out man. and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that he said what he did rather than give me a, a good job. And, you know, that again, moments changing trajectory. I, I very thankful for the sport of lacrosse coming into my life. And even more so this, uh, this coaching team that it, I'm still a part of now with power athlete with John and Luke. And man, it was just that, that small piece of teaching uh, rather than just presenting information. I love that. And I think that that's pretty brave to be able to take a step back and actually take that constructive criticism because I think that that's something that unfortunately for a lot of people we say that we want, but really most people don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, it's, and we continue that today. We still do a lot of 
clinics. We still coach, coach each other up when we're in the weight room in the morning. And part of our, and one thing I really wanted to do, so we do have online education that leads to an in-person test at Power Athlete where people stand and present their, their coaching. They teach us the movements and we provide them feedback. Uh, I'm a huge proponent and supporter of NSCA, CSCS, CSCCA, and uh, the tests that they have. But then it's pass or fail in terms of the score that a coach receives. There's no feedback. So we aim to coach coaches and provide them that constructive feedback. And the most of the people that are coming to us to that invest in coming out to Austin for the test, they want it. Because they're the gym owner, they're the head coach, and everybody's listening to them, but they have no one to step in and call them out on their, their poor movement. And it, going, going back to movement, usually if there's a, a fault within a coach's movement or you give them a direction or something, then they, they say, I, was I doing that? Or, I, no, I didn't do that. There's clearly a hole there, and I almost am certain that their athletes have that same limitation and hole because they didn't know that they had it as a coach. So, I mean, that's, that's the important, you're in a great, great spot in Richmond, very close to a lot of schools that you can go out, meet a lot of coaches, lift weights with them and allow them to coach you up. So that's a, that's a cool thing. Great opportunity that I hope a lot of coaches that have schools close to them take advantage of. No doubt, brother. No doubt. Well, let's move on to number two. Cause I think that all that plays right into it. You know, tax like, if there was a question that you could ask and you know you would get the answer to it, what would it be and why? This is the question I aim to ask on, on Power Athlete Radio. The, the podcast that we get is, is, I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's a, a, a brink moment where you have to make a decision about your coaching career, turning pro as a coach. So most of the college coaches that we have on the radio show, they have bounced around to two, three, four, five, six different schools and cities all over the country. We just had Nate Brookerson on, who I was fortunate to meet at the seminar and heard, heard him speak. Uh, but just hearing his journey all the way from the Washington and the, the West Coast to where he's at North Carolina State University, and he's got his family, he's got his wife, so he's had these moments, these decisions that he's got to decide to remain in the fight. So I, I love to just learn about that the decision because, and I'm sure you've met a lot of guys that or girls, people that have left the profession. You know, college coaching wasn't for them or coaching wasn't for them and they're in outside sales, which sucks. So, I mean, they made a decision to leave this profession to go do a job that I can't, I would pay not to do and think as an example, but, um, man, so I'm just curious, like the motivation behind people to continue to work their way through this profession until they find a spot that is fortunate to have them and watch them grow. And we see a lot of these coaches that if they're there for five, six, seven, ten 10 years, man, they've found a home. And so I'm just curious of their journey to find those homes. I love that, dude, because I think that that's one, you know, that, that people talk about. Like Mac talks about this all the time, too. Like strength coaches don't retire strength coaches very often. 
Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, getting to that great. point where you're able to is, is a big time question. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's what I find most interesting when we get the opportunity to talk to collegiate coaches on this, on the, on the podcast and man, uh, I'm just, it's, it's great. I just love learning about those journeys and those moments. I love that, man. And with all the work you're doing to try to help people be better and some other stuff we're going to touch on at the end, cause we got to talk about, about Wade as well. But what's your escape, man? Like, how do you like, like you guys do a lot, like a yes. lot, like, like yes. a real lot. Like, I don't think people really understand how much you guys do, but like, you got to have something to keep you kick, keep you kicking, man. Cause like you guys, you guys put out a ton. Yes. And, uh, you, you may laugh and I know we, we got to talk about this when I, I get out to the seminar this year, the 10, uh, it's, it's right. So specifically, my escape is writing, but going back to just crazy adventures that I've had with with my friends. So I I, I came up. This was post seminar nine, and I was at a wedding. So I'm in four weddings this year, all former teammates, and it's just in these moments where we are finally seeing each other. I live in Texas, and they're all over the East Coast now, but getting back together and sharing those moments of you remember when, or this crazy story or that crazy story. And so at flying home from one of these weddings, I wrote, I wrote down 20 and I, I got it in my notebook here, 20 different stories from just those guys that I don't want to let die with us. So it's going back and, you know, it's been 10 years plus. So I, I'm sure some of these details are going to be expanded, but that's, that's, you know, that's all part of it. But uh, just going back and, and telling these tales and, Luke, uh, Luke Summers and I, we've traveled to six continents together and I've been to Oktoberfest four times. And each time I went in very confident and cocky that I would survive. And I learned a different rule of what not to do when going to Oktoberfest as an American. So I got, I got four different stories that just create these laws of how to walk into Oktoberfest as an American and survive. And the establishment of the law is like a long story that led me to to follow these rules for survival. So it's travel stories, it's just collegiate buddy stories, but like every coach I know has those moments, there's also every coach I know has just got that personality to them where they, they bring the guard of the weight room down to just say, say some crazy adventure that they got into with their pals that is, it, it just in, in, in captures you for 10 minutes them to go through the story and probably my favorite line to tell a story is with to make a long story longer and just keep going into the debauchery or the wildness so I know everyone has one it's just a matter of getting to that point in a conversation with someone that leads to one of these stories so I'm trying to cap like capture mine hold on to them and make sure like 10 years from now that uh, the details are, you know, not as exaggerated, but just something stupid, man. And uh, yeah, and hope to continue to grow this long list of adventures to capture. So going on from there, man. But that's that's the escape is uh, just enjoying my life outside of work and remembering it in a positive light, and then connecting with people outside of their work and careers as coaches, man. Because 
you know, conferences get old, but why do we go to, to reconnect with our, our, our peers? So I was like, man, what would you get into? You go travel, like uh, just try to learn something that they learned in terms of uh, life or adventure or something about themselves rather than the X's and O's of, of training. It's like the Tucker Max of strength and conditioning. I kind of oh, love it. I, I, I hope one day, man, I'll, I'll weave all these together in some crazy, crazy tale. Like uh, one cliffhanger to leave the listeners is 24 years old post-college. I was in that phase of like 2008 to 10 where you couldn't get a job. So I just moved to West Texas and went to a rodeo every Saturday and paid $10, signed a waiver, and I would ride bull and just take advantage of the rodeo. So it was a stupid time, but I had nothing. I was bored. So I had nothing to do, man. I can't wait to see what the rest of those are like. Then. That's yeah. where I'm at. Well, listen, Tex, we can't get you out of here without talking about because this is going to air in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you guys got some stuff going on there. So let's make sure that everybody knows what's going on in November down in Austin too. Awesome. So all over the world. So Wade's Army with Wade's Army is a 501c3 that John Wellborn, the CEO of Power Athletes, started in 2012. So a little boy named Wade De Bruin passed away of a pediatric cancer at two years old called neuroblastoma. So a friend of John's wives was Wade's mama. So they were pregnant with twins, John and, and his wife, while this twin was going through cancer and Wade passed away, leaving this twin behind. So that was motivation for John and his wife to start this charity. And it started as a simple t-shirt fundraising drive to give to the, the family and man, it's, it's exploded. So we're going on nine years. And hopefully by the time this airs, we've crossed the $1 million mark from simple t-shirt fundraisers. We do a design, new design every year. And all of our proceeds, what we do is we send it one of three places and we give the donor the choice of where they want it to go. So not like taxes where you can't decide. We give people the choice. So we we're involved in an international uh, initiative to fund neuroblastoma research. So not limiting it to the United States. If there's someone doing something crazy over overseas, we're going to make sure that they have the, the funds to do the right research to kick cancer's ass. Number two is it's one I am very excited about. It's we want Wade DeBruin. He got treatment at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. We want to name, there's a, a new ward going in and we want the kitchen to be named after Wade DeBruin. So we're funding that whole project. It's $150,000, and we're going to push the nutrition initiative that we teach at Power Athletes, so real foods, meat, vegetables, all this good stuff, to cancer patients. So neuroblastoma, it's a, a similar uh, – man, I, I'm not going to speak about that, but essentially nutrition is an opportunity to intervene, and that, at least we feel that way. So we're going to fund a – kitchen to help support that side of their treatment. And finally, we have the opportunity to directly give financial aid to families. So one of our first two years, we teamed up with St. Jude's and we gave money to St. Jude's that we donated 
But then families came to us that had interactions with St. Jude's that they weren't supported. So we decided to switch that around rather than giving to other charities. We gave directly to the families in need. So we have over 25 families throughout the United States that we've given direct financial support to. And the reason being, there's only 18 treatment centers in the whole United States for neuroblastoma. So we had a family that lived in Alaska that had to move to Memphis, Tennessee. So we bought them a minivan. So we pay for lost work, we pay for travel, we pay for whatever the family needs, and we go through the proper channels, through social workers, so there is no, uh, no, no wrong way to do this, no tax evasion, anything like that. So we do it the right way, directly to the families that need it, and it's, it's all from, from y'all. So simply put, wadesarmy.org, you can go to our shop and purchase the t-shirts, and all that donation goes to one of those three initiatives. Yeah, dude. And that's why we want to have you guys back. And that's why you guys will be back in July because you're doing great stuff and just had a huge month with the build up to the workout in November. Um, so, yeah, make sure you guys hop over weightsarmy.org. Just get over and buy a T-shirt. Like, stop. Just go do it right now. Like, don't be a, don't be a jerk. Um, help the kids out. But Tex, always great catching up, homie. Good to see you. Stoked for you, July again, man. And uh, we'll be in touch real soon. Thanks, Gary. Have a great season. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.